Well, good morning, and first of all, happy Mother's Day. Uh, today we are going to go ahead and actually continue on in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. And we now come to Matthew chapter 22. So I'm going to have you please go ahead and open up your Bibles to there, Matthew chapter 22. This teaching will be much shorter than usual. Um, this way many of you can get to your celebration of Mother's Day and honor your mother for the gift that she has been to you. Um, I will be posting, however, um, not long following this live teaching, I will be posting a Mother's Day teaching that I had pre-recorded. Uh, I wanted to stick with our Bible study through Matthew here on the live teachings, but I have recorded a Mother's Day teaching that I think you mothers will find as a blessing to your hearts. So after this live stream, uh, might take a little while to load, but this afternoon there should be a teaching up there. Maybe you can watch this evening about Mother's Day and your role as a mother and the blessing that you are. So be sure to watch that. But again, this is not uh, a Mother's Day teaching that I'm going to do here. So, but let's go ahead and jump on into our teaching uh, for Matthew chapter 22. So hopefully all of you are there. And I'm just going to jump on into verse 1. Again, if you need to hear the last teaching that ties on, that goes on into this one, Go to our website, aloveoutreach.com, which should be on the screen there, or find us on um, the teachings on YouTube or SoundCloud by searching for A Love Outreach iTunes as well. Anyway, all of that out of the way, let's get to the Word of God. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is still speaking here to a group of religious leaders, and we're told in verse 1, that it says, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Now let's pause right there for a bit because we know from our Bibles we're talking about a wedding here, right, in this parable. And we know from our Bibles, from the Scriptures, that the Bride of Christ is symbolism for the church. Okay? And it, it describes the Lord God's relationship with His beloved Bride, the church. And also from Scriptures, we know that Jesus is the Bridegroom. The church, from a biblical standpoint, is made up of all the people who have repented and have come to faith in Jesus Christ, as we discussed in our last teaching that we looked at last week, right? Again, if you didn't hear that teaching, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But here we see Jesus describing or portraying in a parable, what the kingdom of heaven is like, or also known as 
the kingdom of God. And he's saying that it is like a king arranging a marriage for his son and sending out servants to invite or to call people to come and to take part in a wedding. We see this still happening today with the servants of God who are teaching the word, preaching the gospel, and calling people to repent and to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to become part of the church. Now, unfortunately, it seems that the word church today is confused because far too many people don't understand that the true church, that is the only church that the Bible speaks of, is that church, again, like I stated earlier, that is made up of born-again believers that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the church that, that the Bible speaks of. But today we know there are umpteen, however many that is, umpteen churches that profess to be the true church when in reality there is just the one church where Jesus is the head of the church and all believers submit directly to and only to Him, right? 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says that there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave Himself a ransom for all. Okay, so Jesus is the head of the church, right? Every born-again believer has one head, one authority figure over them, and that is Jesus Christ, okay? He then, Jesus then, placed in the church, which is also scripturally known as the body of Christ, Jesus placed in the body this, this group of believers, this born-again Christians, again, please go back to last week's teaching, okay? But Jesus placed in this body apostles, men like James and John and Paul and Peter and others. He also placed in the body in the church prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Scriptures tell us that their job is to equip other believers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. That's why these people are in the body of Christ. So what I do when I stand before you and teach the Word of God to you, the Gospel, I do this to equip you so that you can then know how to live the Christian life, and then also be able to share the Word of God with others around you. That's my role in the body of Christ. You have a role. If you are a born-again believer, you have a role in the body of Christ as well, okay? You have the ability to bring other people to Jesus and to point them to the Lord or to tell them about these teachings or other teachings that are out there or to read the Bible and to learn about Jesus Christ, okay? So the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, you know, all of us are nothing more 
then a part of the body of Christ. And we're being obedient to the call of the Lord to equip others in the body of Christ. No pastor, no teacher, no evangelist, no, no man whatsoever is to exercise spiritual authority over you in the body of Christ, the church. Okay, You can respect the calling of those that God gives to you as a pastor, teacher, whatever, but in the end, you will stand before the Lord alone and be responsible for your own soul. So as you submit to Jesus as your head, He empowers you by the Spirit, He leads you, and He guides you through this life by His Holy Spirit. Again, there's one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus. So we must understand the true church, the body of Christ from a scriptural standpoint. Okay, And we must understand that the Lord God is still using His servants to call people to come to Jesus. So here again, Jesus is using another parable to teach about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to which God is giving all people the opportunity to enter in through repentance and faith in Jesus, okay? So Jesus goes on in verse 4 again. He sent out other servants. Jesus is telling this parable. Tell those who are invited, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted, um, cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants and trusted them uh, and treated them, excuse me, spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So there's really a couple things we can take out of what we're reading here. For one, Jesus was really describing his present day circumstances for that time. He came to his own, as we also discussed last week. That is, he came first to the Jews. And while he was there with them, the, for the most part, they rejected him. They killed his servants. And of course, they had him put to death as well. But what we also can realize as we read this is that even today, there are those that are still rejecting Jesus. They are just going about their business, their daily lives, living their carnalistic, materialistic, self-centered, worldly way of life, not caring at all about the salvation of their soul. Most people are simply hoping that there will be some sort of scale or some sort of measurement at the end of their life where if the good they've done outweighs the bad, then they'll enter into heaven. Others think that their religious affiliation will be good enough to get them in. The bad news is, is that this 
is nowhere to be found in the pages of the Bible. As we looked at last week, you must be born again, as Jesus described. So Jesus is kind of letting these religious leaders know that their way of life and their their actions, their deeds, what they do is going to lead to destruction. Jesus continues in verse 9, Therefore go into the highways, and as, and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, so let's talk about these last six verses here. When Jesus says in verse 9 and 10, Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So this is a picture of the fact that after Jesus came to his own, the good news and the gospel then went out, went to the Jew first, right? And after that, the gospel was preached in to all the world, to non-Jews, right? Gentiles were invited to come to the bridegroom. But in verse 11, the king uh, remember, remember the king, he's the one that is arranging this whole marriage in this parable that Jesus is telling. Verse 11 says that he came to see the guest and he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. What we see here is that there are many that respond to the invitation, invitation, right? And they show up, but they show up on their own terms. Let me explain this a little deeper. I want you to go ahead and uh, you can mark this page. You might come back to it here, but go ahead and mark this page and, and turn to the back of your Bible to the book of Revelation. I want you to find Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. And we're going to read um, starting down in verse 6. It says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, 
and his wife, or right, his bride, has made herself ready. Now pause briefly right there, because what we're seeing here is the marriage, the bride, the church, comes coming to our victorious bridegroom, the all-powerful one, Jesus Christ, who conquers sin and death. The bride, the church, is now ready, and the end of time, as we now know it, the church will be presented to Jesus. Verse 8 says, And to her, that is to the church, right? It says, To her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You see, the church is made up of saints. Again, the born-again believers that have repented of sin and have been filled by and are led by the Holy Spirit. These people are arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the fine linen that they wear there is righteous acts, it says in verse 8. Righteous acts, that's what the fine linen is. To use modern day vernacular, these are people that have come to Christ and they've cleaned up their acts as a result of coming to Christ and being filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is now at work within within them. And they are people that do righteous acts, right? They no longer walk in willful sin. They're no longer fornicators and drunkards and liars and such. They now live their lives walking in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Okay? And flipping back, to the parable in Matthew chapter 22, there was one there in that parable that Jesus tells that's at the wedding. Remember, this is the wedding is, is the bride being presented to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. But there was one in this parable that Jesus is telling that did not have the proper garment on. And this is the person that did not have on the fine linen the righteous acts. In other words, their deeds were still sinful. They did not truly repent, but they came to the wedding anyway. They hang around the body of Christ and maybe they even attend services every week somewhere at some church. But they are there on their own terms. They're there to get out of it what they want or to do what they want, okay? And in that sense, they're not wearing the proper garments, the righteous acts, the deeds in their lives that show that they have been born again. And they believe that righteous acts don't matter for some reason. And they believe that they can keep willfully sinning and they're going to be okay simply because they responded to the invitation to the wedding. As if that's all there was to it. But this is not biblically true, however, and Jesus is pointing that out in this parable. 
and unfortunately, many will come to destruction in the end because only those that repent and are born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, only those will be chosen to remain at the wedding feast. The pretender, right, as verse 13 tells us, the one that didn't have the righteous acts, they were cast out into outer darkness. So it's a pretty sobering fact, isn't it? And it it should make you kind of question a lot of the teachings in Christianity today that kind of make you think you can still continue in willful sin and you're going to be okay in the end some way. The Bible does not teach this. Jesus did not teach this, nor did any of his disciples, the apostles, in the written word. We don't see that, right? So it's kind of sobering, kind of hard-hitting, but it's the word of God. And I'm going to leave you with that today. Again, happy Mother's Day. And there will be a teaching, I want to remind you again, there will be a teaching posted for Mother's Day here within the next couple hours, hopefully. So maybe it's something you can watch this evening. But take the Word of God serious, folks. The reason that we go through it like this, the reason that I teach it like this, so that we can really see what it says. And that we can really understand and come to know what God wants us to know. The truth. The truth of the Scriptures. His Word is truth. And you shall know the truth. And what happens, Jesus said? The truth shall make you free. It shall set you free. Let's close in prayer. Thanks for watching. God bless. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word again, God. Thank you for your truth. Your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And we thank you for what it does in our hearts, Lord. What it does in our lives how it renews us in the spirit of our minds. Bless all the mothers today with their time, with their family, with their children, or those that maybe are even alone and not seeing their children. Bless their hearts to know what a blessing they are, Lord God. God, we thank you. We praise you for this time together again here in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.